you know what? No, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to fix this, and I'm going to uh, Shadon. I'm going to push you out onto the Rakugo stage, uh, like the in lady pushed uh, Kikuhiko Yakumo into the private party to perform. Be- because pushing an aphoristic, fragile old man anywhere is a brilliant idea. Absolute genius moment. Galaxy brain shit. Yes. Absolutely. Oh wait, you've appeared. <laughs> I did it. Yes. How I did it? I don't. Finally, know. <laughs> I will no longer be constrained by your mere mortal limitations. I have gone beyond. And also, hi everyone. <laughs> Plus Ultra, sweet Jesus. Uh, we we never see the end of these technical difficulties. Uh, this is Watery Desho, a bad anime podcast, as you can plainly see before you. But we think. And we hope, we hope that can be good. Uh, I am the Subtle Doctor, and it is Desho the Third. We are here to talk about Rakugo Shinju Season 2, Episodes 5 through 8. And along for the ride with me, as usual, is uh, my ever-present compadre, the chromiest dome, the guiltiest gear, and the most festive man in Manchester. It's Shadon. <laughs> I don't even have any Christmas decorations up yet. You have flat out lied. <laughs> uh, I, I keep what does that say dec- about the rest of the Mancunians? Uh, don't even talk about my street because it's honestly a festive medley. It's almost like Whoville down here. Um, all I will say is that I do want to get some stuff up over here for streaming and such. Like, tie a little Christmas tree in the middle and place the lava lamp. You know, something something, something tacky and cheap, but still festive. Bit of tinsel, oh, <laughs> you know. Oh, hell, yeah. maybe I'll take my clock down and put a reef up there. Hey, who knows, you know? Like, sky's Ooh. the limit. I just need to take five minutes to actually buy that stuff because currently uh, my brain is mashed from everything. It is it is puree going around in here, I'm very sorry to say. But hopefully I'll come at you with some insight today on uh, episodes five through eight of uh, Showing Emrako Rako Shinjo season two, Descending Stories, because uh, bloody hell. Uh, is, there any, is there any emotion that these episodes did not instill in you, Doc? I just want to say that um, fuck this show, <laughs> fuck anime. I quit. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> I, I, mean, I I don't like crying. It hurts. It hurts my face. It hurts my heart. It hurts my chest. I don't like it. I just was, anime. Was, was that your uh, was that your grieving version of your neck bones connected to your mm. chest bone? Exactly. Chest bone connected to your. Huh? Oh, sorry, I'll stop just there. follow the pain, kids. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, look, I just finished watching these, and I hope I can I can talk about them coherently because uh, they fucked me up pretty good, buddy. Um, I know, I know. I I watched in the God. interest of full disclosure, I watched these episodes um, like at the weekend, and then rewatched them over the course of this week. Um, in fact, no, I lie. I watched them last week because we were doing this a bit later than we normally would. And mm-hmm. then I rewatched them over the course of this week. Uh, and the first time around watching them, I really, really struggled with them. Not in the sense of I don't get what's going on. If anything, oh, no. I think the exact opposite problem where I too, was too acutely aware of what yeah. was going on. And it was deeply painful. Yeah. Um, welcome to art, I guess, you know, where... You know, we can have we can have a we can have a good joke every now and again. We can have a good laugh. We can we can you know think Kanatsu's like my son's doing a thing face is cute, and then we could go like a couple of episodes in, and well, 
that there is at least you know I don't know who got stabbed harder uh, in this epi- in these uh. episodes uh, a certain character or the audience. I know that's awful to say, but it's true. That's awful. Too soon. Too soon for me. I'm, I have to. Like, is this is my, you know, I don't know what part of the grieving, five-step grieving process this is, uh, but mm-hmm. I'm I'm doing it, you know. I'm, I'm shortcutting my way through it. Oh, boy. But yeah, there, there will be, uh, there will be a don't lot of talk. listen to this show if you haven't seen these episodes. I'm just going to tell yeah. you. The, 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 like, the spoiler warning is in triple effect today. Like, yeah. I could not be more clear, like, stop listening to this podcast uh, for many reasons, but the main reason would be so that you can go watch the show instead from the start, from season one, because I promise you, you cannot watch season two of having seen season one. The effect would be greatly diminished, but it's well worth your time. Um, and also, uh, content warning for what's to come, because shit's going to get real uh, I've yeah. got some stuff I want to discuss that's going to be a bit personal, so just bear that in mind. But if there's one thing that I can say as being an amateur anime critic is that, you know, it's all well and good for me to go, hey, this bit worked because, you know, the storyboard was done in this particular way, or I like this cut of music, or I thought the Seiyu was doing a really good job here, you know, sounding like that he smokes 60 a day and is currently gargling whiskey for mouthwash. Uh, you know, I like doing that. That's the bread and butter. But one person cannot live off bread and butter forever. And sometimes part of being a critic, indeed, the most valuable thing a critic can bring is their own emotional reaction to a work. So expect me to be talking about that as we go on, because holy shit, these episodes i felt like i was being punched it brought back memories let's put it that way wow wow yeah um well i mean thank you in advance for opening up and, and sharing with us um you know it's I, it's a thing that i think our audience appreciates about our show and so definitely strap in definitely heed these these content warnings um spoiler warnings as well again like i don't know how i avoided the spoilers not having not having seen this season but but having seen season one i don't know people must have just been like oh my god how i want to tell you because there's just this huge thing that happens that recontextualizes like the last couple of episodes of season one like completely turns them on their head it's a huge just it's a master stroke of storytelling and but it's also a really emotional like you said gut punch um and there's a lot of trauma there's you know uh, some some suicidal stuff going on and so definitely uh could it will could ha it will be a heavier heavier episode uh at least in part We'll try to keep. We'll try to keep it. You know, we'll try to add some levity, but the subject matter is pretty heavy. So, um, mm-hmm. uh, well, anything, anything else you want to say before we get down to it? Um, not right now. To be honest, <laughs> I don't even know where to. Be. Well, I have like, notes. I actually, let me tell I actually, you. I've tried yeah. to. Uh, like the thing is, like historically, I've not taken as many notes as I could have done, but now I have bullet points of what I want to talk about, mm-hmm. and. Part of me just thinks like I want to, you know, let the dam burst and just start going. <laughs> Whoa, doc, careful! But people might people might say that out of context. Uh, anyway, um, so um, I will just I'll just say that yeah, we've got lots to discuss. Uh, if you want my spoiler-free review 
these episodes were a phenomenal payoff to the build-up uh, that came before them for the entire first season. Uh, money well spent, I would call. And when I say money, I mean, mm. how should we say, dramatic capital? Capital, right, yeah. Yeah, mm. dramatic capital, very well spent indeed. Um, also a very congruent twist to the very nature of what the show is about. Storytelling, you know. Mm. Um so that works. Uh, it does have its moments of levity, though. Don't get me wrong. Oh yeah, uh, it's oh, not. Yeah. It's not. It's not entirely like you know, maudlin uh, death march of a of a of a section of this season. Even though parts of it very much are. Yeah. Um, and it has its yeah. like emotional moments that are like kind of the opposite end of the spectrum, where you feel like it's heartwarming. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, oh my god, like what they've done here with generational storytelling is. Um, just amazing like that they are able to they were able to create something that they built on in this amazing way um like when they're watching the film it's just like oh my god this is so beautiful Mm. but uh i mean we'll get into all the specifics uh momentarily but uh i need to do uh the shilling and the plug-in uh we don't have any patron questions this week but if you want to change that uh, if you'd like to to spice up the conversation, um, then head on over to patreon.com slash show. That's W-A-R-U-I-D-E-S-H-O-U. You can check the scroll along the bottom um, if you're not sure how to spell it. Or indeed, the, the text is also right there in the bottom left corner, which I forgot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, head over there and uh, the current show... If you're listening on the free later on, uh, this is Desho the Third, as I said. So it is on the five dollar Viking Experience tier, named after our our boy Askeladd. <laughs> oh uh, man! And um, so and and so you you could see this show live. Uh, you could participate in in live chat with us, uh, and. Uh, in addition to other Discord privileges that you'll get if you look at the other tier information there, you will also be able to ask us questions about the Desho the Third uh, anime that we're covering, and we'll have to answer those on air, no matter how ludicrous or in-depth an answer that they require. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, we've got three budget-friendly tiers over there for you, so check it out, patreon.com slash Desho. So we've done that. And now we're going to talk about the episode. Shadon, you have a lot to say. Um, I, it's like I have a lot to say, but I really don't know where to start or Mm -hmm. how to like put things in order. So I, um, as I often do, will punt to you and allow Mm -hmm. you to frame the conversation here in in our direction. Well, this is the point where I get to either, you know, play a, a comedy joke I've been thinking of or go straight to the serious stuff. I don't know, like, this is... God, like, I Do you want to talk doing... about some um, Carpe Diem Part 2? Oh, <laughs> no. That's what, I, that's what I thought of the when I was... I was not prepared for the roller coaster. And so as I'm sitting down to watch Episode 5, I'm like, oh, it's the carp again. We can do the yeah. carp joke. <laughs> well, you know, I was going to save this for the Suritama pod next week, but I'll just say that it really is the case that... Um, Hikuiso is the sole survivor. <laughs> yeah, I had to get that out there. I'm so sorry. Throw it that back. Was not, throw it back. Yeah, throw, throw all the jokes back. They're, they're all red herrings, every single yes. one of them. Um, yeah. 
So, okay, uh, I'll save the funny stuff for later and I'll go straight into the uh, the deep stuff here because then at least I don't end the pod on a entirely depressing note uh, because it's worth still talking about this stuff. Uh, and this is why I said before about talking about emotional reactions and such. So, all right, uh, this is where your content or trigger warning begins for personal hmm. shit of a very personal nature. So, um, my grandfather... Uh, passed away um, last year. Um, and the the thing is, right, when I tell you about that, um, what I should really say is that he was already dead. Now, when I say that, you might think to yourself, what the fuck is he talking about? He actually had, um, on Christmas uh, Day, as a matter of fact, in 2017, uh, a quite severe... Um, I don't remember the exact medical terminology for it, but suffice to say he was a death story. He was in hospital. Um, we were told this could be it. That's the end of it. Um, but he survived, for which I was grateful for, in a sense. Mm-hmm. Now, that might sound cold, but I will explain. Um, because, as I mentioned, that was Christmas 2017, and then he passed away uh, middle of last year, uh, mid 2019. It was thinking around uh, May time, if I recall correctly. My memory's a bit hazy on it. Um, so that was what a uh, year and a half, maybe a year and a half that he stayed alive for. But he was not himself anymore. Um, he didn't speak as much. Uh, he rarely, if ever, moved. Um, what well, he was already frail uh, and struggling prior to the instance in Christmas 2017. But that took basically what was left of his life, so to speak. He was surviving, but to me, my philosophy is that to simply be there and have a beating heart and blood going around your body and, you know, electrical responses in your brain and maybe even the, the occasional response to stimuli and such, uh, or even be able to walk a little bit, that's surviving, but that's not living. You know, it's not being able to crack a joke with friends or family. It's not being able to, like, you know, hold a long conversation with them. It's not being able to experience the richness of life itself. So, I will say with no restraint here that seeing what happened to Kihuiso in these episodes from the uh, end of... Was episode... It was end of episode five where he collapsed, wasn't it? Um, All yeah. the way to episode eight. Um where to be like i was gonna say that that's where he shows that he has suicidal thoughts but to be frank that's apparent from the very moment that we open episode five (laughs) yeah because without and again to the show's credit it doesn't like go it plays this subtly um Mm. but it's clear if you pay attention to it he is given a tray of food of course by uh i can't remember his name his the driver dude uh, matsuda yeah Mm -hmm. matsuda yeah Master or someone, maybe even Kanatsu, brings him a tray of food, and he does not touch it. Mm. He does mm. not touch it. He now you could make the argument that's because he's physically failing because he has no appetite for it. Certainly, my grandfather, when he was on his way to the incident in twenty seventeen, was eating less and less. He was becoming physically weaker. Um, or maybe you can also make the argument that he wasn't eating because he didn't want to because he felt his life was at an end. Um, and my grandfather showed similar on occasion as well. So there's that. Um, 
And then we get to the end of like, to get to the point in episode eight where he wishes to, you know, like he, we, the scenes give you context is again, this being Desho the third, we don't give full plot recaps. We give uh, contextualization as we go along for our talking points. So to lay it down, uh, Kanatsu and Yo- <coughs> Yotaro are on a bridge and they're having a nice chat. We recite some Rako and they find mm-hmm. Bon Kikuiso there on the same bridge by coincidence. He's leaning against the bridge. Now again, this plays similarly to the scene in which he doesn't eat his food. Is he leaning against the bridge because he wanted to get out and walk for a little bit? Um, and he just simply physically was incapable of, of doing that. He had so little stamina. Or, dare I say, was he trying to climb on said bridge and jump? Show doesn't say that. Show leaves ambiguous because ambiguity is a key part of the show. Like, we're supposed to interpret his, his actions. Um, <clears throat> and my friend, grandfather never did something as much as that, but my dad said, and I agree with it, that uh, he didn't want to be alive anymore after he basically recovered, recovered, quote-unquote, from that incident in 2017. Um, and then you have scenes like Kanatsu taking um, Kikuiso out to uh, the park and then saying, I'll take you back in 15 minutes, which without, I found that really telling because I think that when you have an elderly relative who is frail, you unconsciously slip into the mode of talking to them in that particular way where you treat them with a certain sense of fragility where okay, I can't now demand all their time. I'm going to have to give them only so much and then take them back because they only have so much tolerance for anything, really, for any kind of excitement. Um, And so I will praise this show for many things, but it will forever earn my praise for the authenticity of which it portrays the deeply painful uh, manner in which um, an elderly relative fades out. Not all of us, when we die... Uh, as when I will die eventually, uh, you know, I may very well go out instantly or I may very well fade out over time. And that terrifies the shit out of me to know that. Because to me, like, personally, I'd rather, as Kiki, like, Kikiso's reasoning, to me, makes perfect sense. I perform Rako. I can barely speak anymore. The Seiyu sells the fuck out of that. Like, he sounds pained. He sounds like every breath is a struggle. And I don't know if it's... I don't know if it's the like the way that his character is drawn, but to me it feels like there's a clear difference between him at the start of the season and there is now, where you can see just how like little there is left of him. He is like he's mostly bone. He is a, he is a, he is fra- like a twig. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I will praise this show for many things. Uh, I will praise it for how it both argues for and against Rakugo as like basically it is a celebration of everything that Rakugo is, but also fully acknowledges the warts of it, but also is a wider appreciation of how celebrity culture can also like you know divide like treat people as like you know cultural possessions rather than the people they should be i can also talk about how you know it gets into classism and social mobility. I could talk about how it wants to preserve like you know the art form is given, but also acknowledges that it needs to evolve in order to survive in a modern world in both small and big ways. Uh, and I will be talking about that later. <clears throat> but it will forever hold a personal kind of respect from me for portraying that in an authentic um, way. A way that I've seen firsthand. 
I have to wonder if the person who originally wrote the manga that this is based on, or indeed maybe the scriptwriters themselves, have had through similar experiences. Because it seems very well informed. <clears throat> and all, all I'll say, though, is that um, if you've had any like such similar experience with an elderly relative, um, this show will be difficult to watch. As a result, these particular episodes will be difficult to watch. And I have no doubt that 9 through 12 are going to be similarly... Um, well, I'm wondering... <laughs> Basically, it's not going to be a question of if it will end, so to speak, but how it will end, mm. that I'm most curious about now. Um, but, um, yeah, I, while I say it's difficult, though, I think that it is a subject that needs to be treated the way it is, because to do so would otherwise be a disservice to people like myself, and no doubt other, many others who've similarly seen that happen to an elderly relative in such a way. So, for that, Whatever I ultimately end up thinking about the show once we get to the end of episode 12 and we have our final podcast on it, uh, yeah, it will always have that accolade for me. Always that sense of personal respect that it was willing not to treat the subject matter of anything but sobriety and also just matter of fatness. That it is willing to accept that, you know, person like Hikito, even if he wasn't necessarily a Rakugo master, still deserves the dignity of being able to live a full life and maybe that there's not necessarily you know, a good thing that he's simply just alive for his own sake, shall we? For its own sake, you know. That's a matter of personal opinion, by the way, how you feel about that. Uh, you may very well feel that <clears throat> as long as he's alive, that's what's important. Uh, be it, you know, because he's still a valued family member, of course, even if he isn't necessarily performing. And that's not an invalid interpret... Sorry, that's not an invalid uh, way of thinking, in my opinion. <clears throat> but make no mistake, the show is absolutely 100% on the level with you about it. It doesn't pull any punches with it uh, in how it's portrayed, how he speaks, how he feels. Um, and for that, it will always hold that kind of respect for me that it wasn't willing to sugarcoat any of this. And finally, just as a small note um, to go alongside, so I've obviously spoken very much about my, how I felt personally about this because of my own lived experience with my grandfather fading away over time. But even if you haven't gone through that, just know we've been with this character in real terms, for a full full season of his adolescent to, like, early old age life, whatever you want to call that, middle age um, life. And then, of course, we cut to the modern day, and as portrayed in the show's timeline, uh, and see him, you know, in his twilight years. But we've even then, we've still been with him for a very, very long time, both in terms of number of episodes and in terms of the time span that is covered portraying him. So, that brings its own kind of pain separate from a personal one that you still feel a connection with this character right uh, and you certainly do feel more of one as well when you realize just what he's done um what sacrifice he has made for the sake of someone else which we'll get to soon enough um but yeah it does even beyond the personal level i think that you would still find it tough to watch to see this man fade away uh to mm -hmm. The dying embers of a, of a brightly burning candle, I suppose. Of which the show is very clear about using as an image, by the way. So, yeah. But yeah, kudos to the show for all of that. Well, yeah, thank you for for sharing again. Um, that's all very uh, very heartfelt, and I appreciate it. I know the audience appreciates that. Um, you know, for my part, you know, I have also had... 
a uh, a relative who uh, I was very close to and loved very dearly. Um, the later years of my maternal grandmother's life, um, mm. she had dementia, and I don't. And there wasn't like it wasn't like in your grandfather's case where there was a particular moment uh, where it set in. At least not that I can recall. Yeah, but it just kind of gradually crept in and then took over and you know she was like um just like a different person um she wasn't like non-responsive but the the personality the the person that i had gotten to know and love over many years was gone and replaced by a largely cantankerous uh woman who would have like flashes of memory from time to time and awareness, but like, I mean, and it was, it it was very sad, you know, and, and, but like I had many years to kind of process that Nana was, was gone. Right. And that, so when she finally did pass, like, I mean, it's tough, but like you've been emotionally letting go for, for a while. And, um, so, I mean, so, so I've had a little bit of experience with that to, mm-hmm. And, um, and it's tough, right? I mean, like thinking about, you know, Kiku on the bridge, um, and the way I read that scene was, um, totally that he did intend to take his own life. Um, and when he starts talking about like the terror that like growing old, uh, has instilled in him. May um, I may I just mention something that's just popped into my head? I'm sorry sure. to interrupt that, but um, no, go ahead. It's it's kind of a really really horrific paradox when you think about it that he's so close to the end of his life naturally mm-hmm. that he's so weak he can't physically bring it about any quicker. Right, right. It's awful when you think about it like that because. Yeah, again, I'm of the perspective that, hey, um, I'd rather, you know, I'd rather go early and with the full faculties of my mind and body where possible than live till, say, I don't know, 90 and be there, you know, like nephews, nieces. I ain't having kids, by the way, just keeping that clear. Nephews and nieces (laughs) pop round or whatever, you know, and they go, oh, look, it's your it's your Uncle Joe there. Hey, Uncle Joe. And I'm just there sat like on a chair. I'm just kind of right. like smiling at them, right? And that's really it, as opposed to, uh, as opposed to I don't know, going all right. What you little bastards? Who said you yeah. could come round today? Right. Yeah, get outside. Mm-hmm. You know, pay the toll. Come on in. Yeah, that kind of thing. You know, <laughs> right. banter, discussion, engagement, that kind of thing. And well, okay, so or exactly right. Um, I I hear you. I hear you on that, and I I have a commentary to make about what the show is doing in this regard but um before that i just wanted to uh, i was saying um what was i saying oh yes that like uh kiku's talking about the the terror instilled in him uh what does he say like watching his body rot away i think is the phrase mm-hmm. he uses it's just like you know i at my at the tender young age of 36 um i don't really spend a lot of time kind of thinking about like my own death. It's not like a thing that preoccupies me or particularly 
makes me scared or anything like that mortality and i mean even when i was like a very devout religious person like that was never motivated by like you know fear of eternal punishment or anything like that like yeah it's just not really a thing that i've been freaked out about very much um but like definitely hearing him talk about it in in this way and just was was pretty chilling you know and it just made me go like well i wonder if this is only because i'm a young person right and that i and when i when i do kind of feel it creeping closer like what instill in me a little bit of that dread like that and and his you know it's kind of compounded uh for him because it's not just that you know he's losing like his um kind of physical mobility or whatever. Um, but he is, he feels that he is losing the thing that, that like gave his life meaning, which is rock ago. And he feels very empty without it. You know, he's like, mm-hmm. I can't do it anymore. Um, and I'm a husk without that. Um, and he was like, once this great man, um, but even if you're not great, like, in terms of fame, like I'm sure losing the ability to do like the things that you do on a, a normal everyday basis is, is pretty like, you know, um, uh, uh, it, it, it's, it's quite a thing, right? It's quite a shock to the system. Um, but one of the things that I, I don't know, I kind of like the fact that uh, Yotaro and Konatsu are not like, well, you want to go, so let's pull the plug. <laughs> like <laughs> They were very much like, look, man, it's not the case that you're just Grandpa Joe in a chair silently sitting there in a vegetative state. Like, you still have so much to offer everyone. Like you, you are feeling despondent. Because you feel like your life is over. But we're here to tell you it's not. Because, like, I love that Yota says, I want to hear what your Rakugo is like now. Because, like, we hear all these uh, at different points in this in the show, right? That, like, life experience informs art. You know, we talked about this a lot with uh, Eizouken. Um, mm-hmm. And it, like, imbues it with new weight and new perspective and new meaning. And and in these uh, this set of episodes... Um, uh, someone tells Yotaro, like, ah, your Rakugo, this particular story's gotten so much better. It must be, like, the weight of fatherhood lending you the this new ability to tell the story. And, you know, Yota's like, look, you have perspective that no one else has at this point. Like, and I want to hear that. And I'm, and I'm not, this is not, like, me making the selfish demand. If It's like, you're looking for, you meaning in your life but like you you have it like if, if you're worried about like providing valuable art or whatever through rock ago it's like just because he can't be yakumo the great eighth generation the peak of his powers doesn't mean that this kikuhiku doesn't have anything to offer the world and i yeah. love that message and i love that like you know like uh th- that bit of hope and uh and kiku isn't necessarily like in this position where he wants to hear that fully but but i think that that was it is a counter narrative that needed to be said and heard yeah 
I agree. Uh, that, that especially, by the way, is why I love uh, the plan that they hatch for him. Even if again, oh my god, joke, <laughs> even even again, if if I joke, you know, like holy crap, please do not throw this really old man around. Do not push him <laughs> because right. I like I just could see like there being. Imagine like if there were like Pixar outtakes. I mentioned this before on the pod in the past, but there's just the one where Pixar he gets pushed and he just fall and he just and he just falls over. He's like, "Oh, you fucking idiot! I broke my ankle. I'm only meant to be frail in the thing, and now I'm frail I've for life. You've you've killed me. God damn it, woman. Um, no. Uh, but. The reason I really appreciate it is just again to give you some context here. They they take uh, Kikuisa out on the pretext of something or another. I think they're trying to take him home or something like that. But he says, mm-hmm. he's like, this is not the way to my house. Uh, <laughs> Matsuda. Uh, is- Disobeying Matsuda. for the first time in like 70 years. Disobeyed a direct order. <laughs> nah, it's just because Matsuda put, uh, put the uh, dress wrong in the sat-nav. <laughs> Matsuda's oh, become oh, sentient. Oh, no, no, no. I'm going to go one better. What's happened is that I, I would love to see, like, I could just see it's like a little expanded joke, which is that uh, uh, Yotaro gave Matsuda a sat-nav. And mm-hmm. you know, like how you yes. program to your sat-nav a home? Mm-hmm. He didn't program in Kiki, so of course he programmed in the local theater. <laughs> exactly. I'm as confused as you are. What's going on here? This is not a, this is not the neighborhood. What's going yes, on? This new uh, technology. But, Tom Tom yeah, Go or whatever it was. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, but um, no, uh, they take they take him to this theater, uh, this the, the uh, small performance theater. Um, and what they basically plan to do is to, for one, they're going to have Yotaro uh, perform, which they do. Um, and I think Man. he performs one of Sukuroko's pieces as well, which he saw on the film. Fucking dude, this was this destroyed me. Like, hmm. it was amazing. Uh, like, uh, yeah, I mean, yes, like that amazing thing we saw of him seeing the film. And so he was able to like, from that one viewing, uh, take take that story and make it like just replicate it in the way that Tsukuroku would tell it was so amazing like mm-hmm. and that, that he because tr- I thought for sure he was going to do the one that Kiku missed because he was in the hospital I was like okay he's going to yeah. get to do his Inokori. like Inokori right but no he changed it up into this it's, oh ju- just for him like it was so fucking beautiful and he's crying at the end. I'm sorry, I don't mean to derail you. Like, you were going to make a point. No, 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 carry on, carry on. No, that was um, it. I just, is amazing. Oh, that was it, okay. Yeah. So, but, so there's that. But what they then do is they then have him perform as well. Um, and... The fucking what? cops. God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> fuck the <Okay>. police. <laughs> fuck, fuck, okay, yeah. Let's, let's, you know, let's, let's be all NWA on this one. Like, this is mm-hmm. the time, definitely. Fuck the police. Yes. Uh, but that's not the point of the, of what I'm about to say, which is that. No, yeah. Take, take note of who's there in this scene. Who's actually watching this performance. Because we, of course, see many audiences throughout the show. Uh, and on, the vast majority of them are randoms, you know. Faces in the crowd. Uh, to the point where there was this hilarious uh, bit of uh, poor animation, like the one noticeable jank bit where <laughs> one of the audiences looked like a little Playmobil men going like that. It was anyway. I, I'm not going to rip on that too much because the point being though, we've got 20 people there, so this is more of a friends and family thing. So what I like about this is that this actually 
gives Kiki so something that he's probably not really had throughout much of his life and bridges a situation that happens earlier in this Seb episode, which I'll talk about soon when we get to the idea of, you know, celebrity culture and how, you know, it devalues people. Which is it bridges the gap between him doing Rakugo for art and him connecting with people. Because the audience is controlled, he knows them all. He's not under pressure as such. I mean, he probably would still obviously want to give the best performance he ever could because that's the kind of character he is. Mm -hmm. But make no mistake, the people who are there, like if he fell sick again or like said, I'm sorry, I can't continue, I'm too tired because, you know, he had a heart attack. That's what that was, but I actually looked that up. It's like, what's a myocardial infraction? I'm like, I've right. never heard this term before. I looked up and it said, myocardial infraction, also known as a heart attack. And I'm like, what? Fucking hell. Thank, thanks a bunch for that. <laughs> Do you think you know, they Google had that search, guy? Break it, breaking that gently to me. I, I Thanks, Google. Um, subtle Google, the worst bedside manner. Uh, do, 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 <laughs> do, do, do you think they had that guy... Uh, Mangetsu become a doctor just for this scene because <laughs> it's like he was, he's a doctor but then he leaves the medical profession and become a Rakugo performer which is like not probably a thing that happens a lot no it would have made more sense for him to be written as a f- trained first aider actually but anyway oh yeah I guess that's what he was was he a doctor because what did he tell he told Matsuda like ah all I ever learned was first aid and I went to medical school for the hot ladies, <laughs> something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, the old anyway. mouth to mouth, eh? No, <laughs> exactly. Yes, uh, mm-hmm. lovely. Hey, okay, but uh, cl- classy, classy. That's um, Mangetsu so, for you. <laughs> so yeah, um, it's it's the perfect bridge between doing it for you know the sake of the art for him to be able to perform, which is something he still wants to do, but also in an audience that's still you know for one they'll appreciate him doing it, uh, and two, puts him under less pressure mm-hmm. and allows him to connect with them as well, you know? Like, yeah. it's a very intimate performance. It's not for, you know, Joe Public or anything like that. So I think that, okay, you know, pushing him around aside, I think the idea on Yotaro's part was pretty genius and exactly what was needed for him. Just, unfortunately, the cops came to ruin it because, thanks. Uh, we should probably contextualize, by the way, the cops are coming to arrest uh, the gang leader guy mm-hmm. uh yeah kanatsu uh was shin's uh shin's dad basically yeah her baby daddy yeah i i was actually legit i'm confused like fill this blank in for me why is why are they still talking to him like why like it seems like that would be a bit awkward well um the the debt that uh kiku is talking about um with the body, you know, they have that scene where they're standing under, under the umbrella together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What I was inferred, uh, because of what we had been shown in the prior episode, which is what really happened that night in the end. Um, and the boss says something like, I've only been able to like, uh, like, well, Kiku says like, you know, you've done so much for me or whatever. And the boss says, it's not a thing. I've only been able to get so far because I've kept my mouth shut. And it sounds like he was able to use his connections to make what actually happened that night in the end go away and make no one be, you know, hear of what really happened and make sure there was no legal trouble. Mm, I I feel that that's a bit sketchy because bear in mind that he ends up having a kid with Kanatsu. That's weird. I don't know. Uh, But anyway, 
It's a it's a minor point. He's, well, you know, I mean, also, uh, well, I guess he can't help how old he is, right? I mean, it's not like he like picked her out and groomed her or anything. He just uh, was like, yeah. happened yeah. to be there when she yeah. was uh, young, and then when she was older. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Fair. Um, but yeah, um, great, great little scene. That uh, curious to see what happens next because the the funny thing is like. It, the, the cops appearing, right, okay, yes, the gang boss was there and all that, blah, 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 blah. But the reason narratively that they're appearing is because even in this incredibly controlled environment yeah. in which he is allowed to perform with all the safety nets in place <sighs> and to truly connect with people, oh. fate is still intervening! Like, oh, okay, you know, you don't get to do Rakugo anymore. And he tries to do it and he's like, and the cops are like, ha! Nope. Man. They're just, just coming there claiming, bad boys, bad boys. What you gonna do? What you gonna... Sorry. Do you always finish that? Nope. No, I don't. I thought. No, no I don't. Okay. <laughs> what you gonna do when they come for you? Bad boys, bad boys. Sorry. <laughs> oh, boy. I think they started making new episodes of that show. Oh, no. Lovely. Um, okay. Um... Well, you started off with, you know, bring out the big guns. So uh, I guess I will too. And we should talk about uh, that scene in episode seven. <laughs> when after they seen the film, which is there's so episode seven. Holy fucking shit, dude. Oh, like, man. So they <laughs> they they. Uh, they being um, Yotaro, Masta, and uh, Sensei, what's his name, who had a, a crush on Miyokichi from back in the day. Um, mm-hmm. He likes MILFs. Okay. What are you going to do? Kanatsu's uh, mom has got it going on. <laughs> exactly, right? So, <laughs> like, they, they go to, um, to watch Rakugo on film. And, you know, like like we said, it's an amazing scene where they see young Bon Kiku and then they see Sukuroku, which is super valuable because he's not alive to teach anyone and his art has been preserved in this way. I was so worried, by the way, that the film machine was going to eat it. Like, oh, was my one- <laughs> God. I, I, I was I was there like, don't you fucking dare start yeah. like have. You're gonna have, to, gonna have to film played, and you'll just have the like the burn out effects, and then it's just gonna suddenly set on fire. Uh, oh, it's just, backwards. Yeah. They have my thing yeah. flipped, but I have. Don't eat the film. <laughs> oh my god! I I I just really saw that coming. I, I thought no, they're gonna have like that's it. it just burns up, and I'm like no. But yeah. Thankfully, that's not the case. Exactly. I was like, either they're gonna take away this and not let him see Sukaroku perform, or it's gonna be like. This is like real rock ago. You see the performance and then it's gone, <laughs> you know, but thankfully mm-hmm. they didn't they didn't have him lose the film. But um then they go to visit the grave of Miyokichi and Sukuroku. And uh and then we hear about it, man. We hear about um the truth. The truth that happened that night in the end at the penultimate episode, I think it was, of uh, yeah. season one. And my notes yeah. read, God damn it. Fuck. Oh, my God. Yeah. And then crying. <laughs> like, um, I'll. Oh, God. Okay. 
I'll I'll Man. explain. I'll I'll take I'll bite the bullet of explaining what happens. So to recap, what we thought happened originally, um, as the story was retold to Kanatsu and to um, Yotaro, Yotaro, yeah, is that it was all a tragic accident. You know. Yep. It just it just the goddamn railing. <laughs> right. Yeah. They don't make the, them like the they used to. OSHA violation, the usual <laughs> stuff, you know. Uh, no, not so. Um, and I'm actually going to say something that will, might sound a little controversial here, but I have actually some mixed feelings on this, but I'd rather I have one okay. problem with it versus the overall holy shit recontextualization element of it. Uh, and it's I think the problem I know, that relates but... to, Yeah, you probably do, actually. And so does everyone else who listens to me, like, because it's actually a similar problem to what I had in the first se- season, as yeah. it turns out. But yeah, yeah so you, def- you definitely know what it is. Um... But the basically what has happened is this. Uh, we don't actually see how it came to be. This is still information that we are not given. So even this account is incomplete, right. uh, which is something worth noticing. Mm-hmm. But to put it mildly, or to put it bluntly rather, I suppose, um, Kanatsu stabbed Sukuroku. Now, everything indicates it was an accident. No, 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 no not Kanatsu, right? Wait a minute. No, uh, sorry. Uh, yeah, no, Mio, no, I mean Miyokichi. Yeah. yeah, let me let me let me say that again. Miyokichi <laughs> stabs Sukuroku. Right. Uh, uh and I, everything seems to indicate it was an accident. Her reaction to it is like, oh my god, how did this happen? How did this happen? Etc. etc. Yeah. Whether or not oh, oh you don't seem entirely convinced, but uh, then again, no. I, but then again, this is also an incomplete account, and yeah. by its very nature, this revelation, you know, leads us to question the actual revelation itself. Because we've not heard it from Kikuiso himself, have we? Not yet, but uh not not yet. Oh man, that's going to be a moment. <laughs> <laughs> it feels pretty credible, though. I mean, as as far as like a an outside source, Matsuda, it feels like he's he's pretty ironclad. Doesn't really, oh, oh. Uh, you know, he doesn't seem in the business of lying about this these sort of things. Nope, we do know he is in the business of lying, though. <laughs> oh, oh that's, that's that's horrible me to say, but it's true. So basically, what happened is that. Um, not only did uh, Miyokichi stab Sukuroku, um, but basically Kanatsu came in with uh, Kikuiso, saw what happened, and she... I mean, Doc's doing a gesture right now, um, which is, you know... Tasteless. Put. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah there, there, there's that. I, either that or you're about to start doing a dance. So <laughs> let's just... Pre- we'll, right. we'll pretend that Doc is now doing... Uh, right. Is now doing the Macarena, and, you know, he wasn't actually... He, I'll either that or he's pushing multiple people on Palestinians now. <laughs> hey, Macarena. Oh, no. Uh, but anyway, no, point being, um, Kanatsu actually starts, like, hitting um, Miyokichi, and I think she catches her off balance and she falls towards the balcony, but Sukuroku manages to get his second wind and tries to save her, um, but ultimately falls with her being dragged down by her, because he's been grievously injured by the way um so to make it clear whether or not Sukuroku could have lived is entirely up for debate we don't have anywhere enough info for that it's not really something that's worth discussing in my opinion because it's just a moot point but make no mistake uh Miyokichi's death is definitely on Kanatsu's hands and then you can then discuss whether or not it's also the result of her father dying not I would look I'll leave it to a lawyer to sort this shit out you know Let's do some CSI stuff on it. But the real fact of the matter is that basically Kanatsu is responsible for at least the death of one of her parents. Um, which I think, you know, 
in the grand scheme of things, Rust is one, pa- one parent too many. Yeah, okay, yes, responsible is, of course, it would be manslaughter again. I won't oh, well, but, right, but even, I mean, it's just one of those things where, like, have you ever heard of the concept of moral luck? Uh, to, this is a famous philosophical paper that Thomas Nagel wrote that, like, you know, you can have two parents that uh, can leave uh, a baby uh, in the bath with running water, and one, the baby happens to drown, and the other, it doesn't. I'm mean, a very morbid example, but it's like, the other one... I mean that there's how do you, how do you sort through that right I mean like um mm-hmm. and it was just like an accident it was just negligence and this is like a kid not even a parent right who's just totally lashing out is justifiably angry at her mother absolutely yep. because she like kids know shit man this is why I think fucking this is not an accident that this was a an episode uh a fit a uh a bout of of uh uh anger and and rage uh kids know she's like you killed dad you fucking Mm. bitch (laughs) and then uh shoves her and it's like circumstances just so happened like i mean the consequences were so much more dire than what konatsu deserved so like as far as like you know, like the apportionment of moral blame. Like I'm very like, I mean, because she's a child for one, but then because of what happened, like it seems like that this was just an awful, awful bad luck. And she, she shouldn't be like you, yeah. you manslaughterer, you murderer, you know? No, I, mean? I, I, I use only the legal term just to sure. try it again to pass out. But the thing that's key is that you were actually discussing about how we apportion blame is a perfect segue to the final revelation, uh, which is that this episode traumatized her so much she basically forgot about it. And yeah. all of the information she has on what happened is essentially the, well, what she, what Kikito told her, told us, and in turn told Yotaro, it's a consistent story. But, uh, basically, he has taken it upon himself to be blamed for their deaths, because yeah. the alternative is that, you know, he, I mean, how do you tell, like, how, how would you do that? I mean, I can't fathom it. You, you don't. Like, you don't, yeah, you don't. You don't. Like, how do you tell, like, a child, okay, look, you were accidentally responsible for the death of both of your parents, uh... That's a conversation that, well, I'm never going to have as I'm having kids, but by God, I hope no one in the entire world ever has. And I mean, there's no way it, you don't fuck up a child forever. <laughs> like, you know? Yeah. Exactly. So the, the thing is, like, this changes everything because Bond's coldness, then I still think some of that coldness is innate and natural to his character, don't get me wrong. But his coldness and his, you know, like, him not wanting to basically say to, you know, Kanatsu at various points, like, what do you mean kill me? Grow the fuck up. You know, he, he he fans that flame, you know, because the alternative is basically it's going to destroy her as a person. And, well, I suppose in one way he was well equipped for it, owing to the fact that mm. he is an actor of sorts. Right. You know, mm-hmm. which is, you know, not the way his skills should be used, of course. But... To basically have an entire person's, for the majority of a person's life, to have their unending hatred foisted, foisted upon him, you know, accusing him of murder, 
accusing him of destroying their life when he had no culpability in it whatsoever. Uh, that's a hell of a fucking thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just, God. And, like, when... I almost call them Sukuroku. When Yotaro shows back up at home, mm-hmm. and he's, like, crying in his wife's shoulder, and she's, like, teasing him and smoking a cigarette, and he's just, like, holding her, and she's holding him, and it's, like, she thinks she's nurturing him, and she is, you know, and taking mm-hmm. care of him, but, like, and now he's, like, burdened with this thing, and he's got to protect her from it. Um, kind of in a way sharing the burden, even if Yakumo doesn't know that. Um, mm. It's like... Well, that, that's, the pain, I mean, that's, that's, that's the wretched thing of it as well, because now Yotaro is also uh, similarly com- like complicit with knowledge. Mm-hmm. And... Sharing God, that horrible burden. Yeah, um, that's going to be a conversation between I, those two. If, if they ever have it, I mean, I wonder if they will. Um, you'd like to think so, but like, I also think that there's a case for having them not and just like, you know, this is just kind of a something that Yotaro does for his master, you know, like take up this horrible burden mm. that he's had to carry for so long. Um, and, you know, there's a reason he wanted to keep it, keep it secret. Um, yeah. But I, well, uh, but the, the- sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was going to say, though, like, you you saying that, like, I could see that the show might be going somewhere with that, because it's there's a line from uh, Bon on the bridge scene where he says, like, even now, like, I cannot wash away your love. Right. As much as Kanatsu clings- hates him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, as much as Kanatsu still hates him in a sense, I think it is tempered with the knowledge that he has still nurtured her and cared for her. Um... It, it's a it, uh, it's a mess is how i'm gonna describe it's a it mess, man. and and wow to him for doing it because yeah. i don't think i could live like i don't think i could live with knowing someone permanently hated me as deeply as that and he then on top of that have them live in my own house and be like and to be their guardian yeah shit i mean and he probably still feels really guilty about I mean, the way things turned out with, with uh, uh, well, Miyokichi and Sukuroku, even though he wasn't, you know, he he didn't let them go and they felt their death or whatever. But, like, still, the, we, we can, I think, safely assume that things up to that point in terms of, like, how he related to them and kind of, like, how he, uh, you know, played a part in, in how their lives turned out. Like, all that's mm-hmm. true. And so he probably feels a lot of regret about kind of what he didn't do to help them and what he feels like he should have done or whatever. Well, I think that's textual because we, of course, have the seed at the end of episode five where he first off, like, envisions Kanatsu's... Sorry, not Kanatsu. I can mix up Miyokichi's ghost mm-hmm. during the performance that he does. And then, of course, we have the his dream... Um, where he sees Sukroku and Sukroku is strangling him. Talks to him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I don't know if you spotted, but in the OP for episode five, uh, Sukroku's eyes are blood red. When I he's, did like, not. Playing the rib cage, when he's playing the ribcage part. Like, God. Wow. What uh, we'll a touch. Get, we'll, discuss, we'll, we'll discuss that scene later. I suppose oh now God. that I've said all that, oh, because I, just, I am... Listen, I, sorry, go on. But no, I just, before we leave this scene, though, I mean, I just want to say, like... So, 
when you talked about um, your kind of personal experience with uh, with loss and thinking about mm-hmm. Kiku's character, it's funny because like like I said, like my grandmother went through her own kind of um, slowly kind of fading away. But that didn't it I, this that's not where like I felt the most like kind of personally tied to something like it's you know seeing seeing Konatsu as part of that right um really got me like as just exposing exposing children to trauma mm. um and how Kiku just instinctively knew how how awful it was. Yeah. And I the mean, great links. You, oh, sorry. Um, what? Go ahead. Very, very quickly, when you say about exposing its trauma, uh, when Kanatsu like starts hugging her close, like saying, Don't look, don't look and all that, like, uh, she's actually smearing Kanatsu with Sukuroku's blood. I, yeah. So the yeah. image, the image is plain as day that, that she has been tainted by that. I know, that's right? Literally, what's happening? It's crazy. Yes. And Kiku still, not Miyokichi, <laughs> but not her mom, but like Kiku is the one who grabs her, closes her eyes, and makes, like you said, this ultimate sacrifice to protect her, protect her conscious mind from this. I mean, mm. subconsciously, I'm, I'm sure, and I know it's there. I know it's like, you know, playing around in there and, and probably do, wreaking a lot of havoc. I don't know, it just made me think of, for whatever reason, my own, like, losing my own father, who, like, you know, he took his life when I was six. And I mean, it wasn't, I wasn't there for that. Um, at least I don't, it just made me think about, like, what do I remember about this, this situation, this trauma? And really nothing. Not a lot. Like... Hmm. Because, because my mom like took great pains to like kind of keep me away from it. Like when he was at his worst, uh, in terms of like the mental state and like drug use. And then yeah. when, when he, you know, I, 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 to the best of my memory, I happened to be away staying in a different place when it happened or at least when I was told it had happened. And so like, it's like, you know, a sort of, uh, abstractedly similar experience to someone being there covering your eyes. I mean, I had no part in it, but just like my exposure to that trauma was so limited, um, because of, and I don't, you know, I don't have a great relationship with my mom. I don't have any relationship with her these days, honestly, for for a number of years. But like in that kind of um, in in that move on her part of of keeping me from that, I mean, I I have nothing but like uh, good good things to say about that. You know, like I said, because these things are so. Uh, the the impact that it could have and and these things do have on kids is like immeasurable. <laughs> I yeah, mean, I can't even. Absolutely. And so I have no imagery. You know, I have no imagery of my dead father. I have no imagery of like the scene, how things looked, um, or anything like that. 
And so, you know, I've had that, like I said, the hand put over my eyes in a way of speaking. And so like, and, and that's, that's what that scene, that was a kind of a connection that I had with it. And, you know, on top of it being like the whole narrative twist and kind of shedding all this new light on Kiku's character, like it was just this powerful moment that like, I think, and you're just so not ready for it. I think the show does this incredible job of getting like you're a kind of emotionally vulnerable because of everything, the, the yeah. joy you've experienced before, right. Of seeing, seeing Sukuroku again, even if it's in black and yeah. white, but then like it does that cool thing where it's like, it switches to color and the sound goes to stereo and everything because it's like, you're there, right. It's like, he's there. So you experience it that way. So if you, yeah. you're so vulnerable to like that, like f- total force of that, recontextualized trauma or like punches you in the gut and um it's a lot man like it's it's gonna hurt a lot of people it it hurt me um but like uh the craft of it was um and and the craft of it in context of the story is pretty uh outstanding i would agree but i suppose i should offload my problem here and this is the thing Mm -hmm. that you predicted you already knew so right and if anything, I feel like I should let you say it just because you... Okay. But no, so no, go on. My, go predi- on. my prediction of it is that you think that um, it makes Miyokichi look even worse and that there is a bad message sent by that. Not a bad message as such, but you are otherwise on point. Um, <clears throat> here's the thing, right, that I, I have to revisit my previous points that I had in season one, which was... I felt that the material went into enough depth with her own parallel problems in her profession Mm -hmm. uh, related to Tsukuroku's, how they both had their lapses of fortune, that partly thought, well, okay, why is her profession not being given as much treatment as that of Rako? Now, the Mm. answer to that is we can't do that in the allotted time we have because it's too much to ask. Right. That's fair, I get that. But I can't help but think like that it feels like this this show has done her a little dirty at this point by doing that. Now, make no mistake, I don't think that necessarily devalues the the twist here or what happened what like our bond sacrifice. But I can't help but feel a nagging sense of mm, I don't know, like it's, it's one thing where you have to push... It basically, it's pushing her as a character down to give more to someone else. And I wouldn't mind that if she hadn't actually been developed as much as she was with the parallel profession thing. Like, ironically, if there was less spent about her, I wouldn't mind so much. But she engendered some sympathy from me in the same way that she, Tsukuroku did because of her own issues with her own... What's happened in her life uh, and her loss of direction. But then now we have the fact that she stabbed him and again we also i should say have an incomplete account here why did that happen don't get me wrong i'm not saying there's anything that justifies that right i I don't think so um but what i think would be i mean again we have that thing of i don't agree with this event happening but i can understand how these events played out in such a way that it came to be and we are still absent from that from her perspective which I think, again, does her a little day. 
it's well, a, I think I'm not I'm, I'm not gonna hold it massively against the show though to be quite honest. I'm gonna let this one go <laughs> because I think to be honest um for one maybe we'll get more of a perspective from Bon on this uh for two I think that there is enough positive portrayal of her elsewhere also that's worth noting like it doesn't suddenly wipe all that away and certainly we still get some of that as well like how she was a positive influence on Mr. Writer person, dude. Whatever the hell his name is. Yes, uh, Sensei. Yeah. Right. Even, even if he was, you know, like Stacy's mom has got it going on all about her, that <laughs> right. kind of thing. Yeah. He was all mm-hmm. fountains away and shit. Um, even if he was that, that's still positive. And clearly, Kikuiso himself, the man, you know, who would arguably have the most personal reason to think, God, hope she burns. Uh, you know, like he still clearly has, like he when he had that, vision of her it right. wasn't you know it it wasn't you know like oh god it's you again come to kill well, me too i i wouldn't i i wouldn't necessarily think that he's like the most kind of reliable uh radar and moral compass about her because mm-hmm. because of all the guilt he's carrying around and the hots he had for her and all that stuff um i think that if you go back and listen to the full podcast with mark I think he makes a really compelling case that she, the show did not do her dirty, that she, in fact, was just a vile person or had become one. Ah, right. So it's more the case that her fall, like, it's intentional that she fell that way. Okay, that that I think is a reasonable line to, to view it as if we just simply take it as that. Um, I mean, she... In in a way, she's sort of representative of like kind of the, like the culmination of how the misogynistic culture of Japan like can chews up and spits out women or did did during yeah. that time, like yeah because I mean she never you know the difference between her and her daughter you know Kanatsu had people in her life to take care of her and people to look out for her and, and people to to give her nourishment and shelter and Miyokichi did not and like was mm. forced to do some some pretty heinous shit just to live <laughs> and uh yeah uh not that that again excuses her behavior but it's like well it's like I said though I can see the through line that leads to it ending that way I suppose yeah and yeah. she just become like yeah like it is and, and so in a way it's sort of karmic that like the man's only art of Rakugo has is so deeply wounded by this sort of national trauma that is all these women suffering in the way that they do, totally abused and neglected, and uh, trodden trodden on by the the men of that country. Again, it's it's a little bit uh, it's a little bit of. Um, not dramatic irony, but I guess just like karmic, right? In in some mm. ways, um, yeah, yeah, uh, and and yeah. I mean, that's she just. I don't know. I I really do think she's symbolic of that, and rep- and then represents this, you know, kind of major cyclic trauma mm. that, like, thank God, did not get totally passed on to her daughter because her daughter was yeah. just more fortunate than her. Yeah. No, I, I could totally see where you're coming from there. And I will say this just as a side, like I would still love for there, if it maybe even exists and if it does 
tell me. I wonder if the manga, st- right? <laughs> you know? Well, the, the, no, the manga could very well go into it, but I mean, I would love to see if there was a show that gave the same kind of treatment uh, to Rakugo um, that we see here to Geisha. You know? Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm. that would that would be that would be fascinating. If, yeah. Like, I, I, when I say that, I don't mean no. In fact, maybe I do. Both season one and season two, where we get the personal journey of a, of of an individual through the times and how they change, and then we see you know, like you know the modern era and what the next step is. That kind of thing. I think that would be if it was handled with the same kind of like full. Uh, complexity and maturity of Rakugo, I think that'd be a phenomenal piece of work. Totally. Um, but yeah, but yeah. Anyway, I'll leave it there. Um, I think your points, like, basically said to me, look, I, I get where you're coming from and I do agree uh, now that it's been phrased that way. Um, so, yeah. I and mean, even if I didn't, it was still only a minor thing in the overall grand scheme of the lot. I see so. where you're coming from, though. I mean, that was kind of my first instinct in a lot of ways when looking at season one, especially in I brought up this during that podcast with Mark and you know, we had a, a, a good discussion about it worth listening to patrons and others. If you have not. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. Um, all right. What's your, so I think we can, we can step away from at that scene in episode seven, uh, unless mm-hmm. it has to do with other talking points by you. So what, what's your next, what's your next big point? Uh, the next thing I'll mention is I also just enjoyed how that scene in episode seven of the films. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> I think this, I think this show has had a really good message about how it tries to treat Rakugo as something that does, unfortunately, needs change uh, for many reasons, not least of which being how it treats its actors and such, of, of course, uh, but also how it needs to change surviving the modern world, but also an appreciation for the way the old ways, and also that the old ways do require preserving. And so I think the very fact that it was filmed and we got to see these films in a, you know, we've even got film grain, we've got the voice tuned to sound like it's coming from a film projector, you know, like in that very 80s style. Uh, it's very authentic to that. Uh, I think that that's great. Um, side tangent here, I recently rewatched uh, Akira Kurosawa's Yojimbo. Uh, you know, the film hi, James. that ultimately went... <laughs> Akira Kurosawa's Hi, James. Oh, God. Um <laughs> It's, you know, the film that went on to inspire A Fistful of Dollars, if you've seen that. Basically, hmm. same story, just, you know, there's a guy with a gun in Yojimbo, and there are many guys with guns in, uh, you know, Fistful of Dollars. I trust you can appreciate the difference. Um, <laughs> but, point being, is that film, black and white, filmed in a very particular way, you know. Would I ever want uh, Yojimbo to be redone in colour? No! Absolutely not. Oh, not right. while I have a Bone in, like, an air, you know, not while I have breath yes. in my body. Are we close now? Oh my so, gosh, I didn't realize. The point yeah, I'm making I here is that well. the um, the show is arguing for sure. the preservation sure. of film, uh, of uh, material Absolutely. like Rakugo, not just in terms of its traditions, but also Very how it's presented at the time. Doc has a phone call. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. All right, thanks. Bye-bye. Nope. Yes, I feel I'll continue. <laughs> I was thinking Doc was going to... If you can't see on the screen there, Doc was shuffling around in his chair and I thought he was just going to take it while I have the office with him. Anyway, 
so my argument here is that I appreciate how the show is also very much for the preservation of the art as it was presented at the time. So we have these old films, you know, these old film reels of Sukuroku and the other performers, um, and they should be kept as is. They should be preserved as is. I mean, I certainly don't want to see the 4K 60 FPS recreation <laughs> of Sukuroku's performance, and no doubt some fuck has put that clip on YouTube and done that. I recently rewatched. <laughs> I recently watched a, a Sailor Moon opening that was 4K 60fps. They almost made me want to throw up. But yeah, beyond, of course, the preservation of the traditions of Rakugo, uh, the show also argues for its preservation in the manner in which it has been captured at the time. Could be oral recollection, for example, or as it say, film here. But the film is, of course, kept as is. Um, and I think that's a pertinent message across any medium, really, you know. Recently, for example, Lord of the Rings got a remaster in 4K and they completely fucks up the colour grading on it because they had no appreciation for why that was done the way it was back then. You don't crank stuff with 6 you don't check, you, you know. Art is in part a function of its time, you know, like it's created in the constraints of how we create media at the time and what's available. And keeping that, keeping that intact for future generations to enjoy is a key part of that. It's a key part of, you know, helping us understand what it was like at the time and basically get the intended experience from it. So, that's that point there. Uh, of course, by its very existence, I must stress as well that this very show is a new way of preserving Rakugo as an art form. And Doc's sliding back in. Doc in the room. I am return. Apologies about that. Uh -huh. uh, no trouble. We'll have to... Edit out my end of a phone call. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, uh, carry That's on, fine. my friend. I'm Thank you. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm going to edit out before that, um, so that way people know you had a phone call, but I'll just let them decide what it oh. might be, <laughs> just, for, just for the fun of it. Uh, to very briefly sum up Doc, what I was just saying, though, the point is that um, the, um, the show, by showing us these films, um, also argues for the preservation of the art form as it was created at the time. Um, yeah. I was mentioning how, for example, like you see things like, oh, I'm going to put this anime in here that's going to be upscaled to 4K at 60 FPS, and that's bullshit because it needs to be preserved as is, mm -hmm. you know, presented mm -hmm. as the way it was at the time. And I have something I forgot to mention in my preamble while you were away is that one of the nice things is that this show is consistent about is that, again, we are one audience, but there is, of course, the audience of the characters watching the films. And so they are physically drawn in by watching these films oh, to the works themselves which beyond just simply being great for seeing Sukuroka perform again uh also you know backs up the fact that they this art form is still engaging and worth preserving yeah. you know we are enjoying it they are enjoying it there is an agreement there is a congruence to these two audiences and their reactions which I think is very very important um and I was saying I was mentioning also like how you know Yojimbo black and white film whatever you want to see in color no you keep that shit as it was. You keep it as presented. And so right. that's another, you know, string to the harp of the show, which is it's arguing for the preservation of Rakugo in many ways, but also its evolution. Um, and funnily enough, through the very fact that it was preserved as authentically as it was, it then inspired uh, Yotaro to do the performance later on that we see there. So, yeah, I like that beyond, of course, how emotionally impacting that scene was, it continues to also have a real message about the preservation of old art, even as in turn, you know, like Rakko wasn't always on film. Now it is, and now film has, of course, gone better, but that means we still have to preserve them as put out at the time. Yeah, I mean, 
so so i i like am fine with putting out like new versions you know like upscaled yeah. high res 4k 60 fps all the bells and whistles hdr blah 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 um i saw a sailor moon six, 60 fps clip <laughs> and, it, and it's just... and it's shockingly bad like i'm, no, I'm sorry yeah. but that's um that's a that's just video game jargon right you don't you don't want to speed up the frames per second of uh of animation or or film that would just be all right that would look right, shocking. Would, I just mean, would, would be would be YouTuber upscalers and other people who are basically animation criminals because you have no idea what the fuck you're doing. I will give you some harsh truth here, right? Are you playing something that you have direct interaction over? When you're watching an anime, are you able to use your DualShock 4 right. controller to control it? And no, for the smart asses in the back, putting it on 1.5 speed because it's a Blu-ray does not fucking count. Okay. If your answer to that is no, you leave it at 24 FPS or whatever frames per second it came out at. You don't put it to 60 because you're not actively responding to it. You need to have high FPS when you're actively interacting with something. If you're watching it, leave it the fuck alone. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I, I, I see I see so much... Like, I think I was also recently trying to find a, uh, the Kaguya-sama Love is War OP, which is an absolute banger, by the way. Hmm. And I found one that was at 60 FPS. And, like, there is a very deliberate pacing to the animation in that OP because it's styled after a James Bond, you know, intro. And yeah. you put it at 60 FPS and it's gone. And I'm like, you have no uh, fucking clue about the thing you like. You have no appreciation (laughs) for it. Fuck off. Quit with that shit. It's like people that have motion smoothing on on their television. It's like, what are you doing? Uh, (laughs) It's like, why do you want everything to look like uh, Young and the Restless? Turn that shit off. I know. I bet bet um, the... Go ahead. You you first. I bet bet these people buy Amazon rings. (laughs) Right. Okay. Um, but so actually, so um, a- apart from like the actual, the, the speeding up of the frames of animation in an animated work is a different thing, I think, than saying, uh, we're going to put out this new edition that like, you know, upscales or restores quality or adds more color or whatever. Like I'm, I'm actually good with those existing for the people that want them, provided as you point out that the originals are somehow... Uh, preserved and you know sometimes like with film like you know i think like lucas said this about making the the new editions of the the old star wars movies is that like making those kind of helped preserve the old ones because the old film was kind of falling apart and was in Mm -hmm. some shitty condition so like so i i i think some there are going to be some people that will never watch a movie like yojimbo because it's in black and white but if like and those people are wrong, they're they're criminals. We know this. They're thought criminals. But we can reform them by perhaps you do a color version and you get them to see it, and then like they become like a fan of the works and they start taking it more seriously, and then they mm. are like, ah, oh, like I need to, you know, watch this and insert. It's just sort of like with anime. It's why anime dubs exist, so you can eventually get people to become true fans that watch subtitled <laughs> anime. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I'm kidding. Um, oh my god! You know what's funny though? When you were talking about the special editions of of Star Wars, like my opinion on because I know they're incredibly divisive is thus, right? Because um, I remember actually watching, um, I think it was an advertisement at the time they came out on VHS where they showed some of the stuff they did, and they showed things like, okay, this special effects, the cockpit in this spacecraft, this like I think it was one of the snow speeders, is transparent. Uh, which is really weird. Why is it transparent? Right. And so they so they fix that. Mm-hmm. That kind of change 
I'm actually perfectly okay with because that's fixing a technical issue mm. with the presentation. Mm. What I'm not okay with is them throwing in all sorts of like random wacky like CG shit. Yeah, you know? right. Or like or, um, uh, let's uh, yeah, let's make the sixteen by nine and artificially chop off the edges of the sc- the screen. <laughs> yeah, let's 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 do that with like what they did with the Simpsons when it came on Disney Plus, where they deliberately fucked the aspect ratio such that certain jokes were actually like oh, that were relied on visual cues yeah. oh, like there no. was the there was the there was the duff one you know where you know we've got uh duff light duff dry and duff dark but the joke of course was that the pipe that was filling all of these casks <laughs> was the same pipe splitting out into a fork at the end so they were identical but I you love the voice you that. just did that was um duff that dark, was kind of hot duff dry. I enjoyed that. Oh ah, well, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna use I'm gonna save that as a special weapon for, yeah. for someone. Okay. But anyway, um, anyway, uh, so there's that. But I also should mention there's recently been a bit of controversy about the Lord of the Rings remaster, uh, mm. where they've completely fucked the color grading on it. Like you've got the scene where um, Mary, I think it's Mary. I'm gonna assume it's Mary. Okay. And why can I not remember the name of the Rohan Shield Maiden, the lady who's actually hotter than Eowyn? Oh, uh, God. Yeah. God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. I can't. Uh, I, the fact shit. that I can't remember is actually really embarrassing. I know who you mean. I know you mean. You know what I'm afraid. So basically, someone posted a comparison on Twitter where they had side-by-side shots of the original versus the uh, redone one. And the color grade on the redone one basically has blues and all sorts of like reflections of sky. It looks basically like how my camera looks, I suppose, just obviously in much higher definition. But the whole color palette is there. In the original... The color palette was very much shades of yellow, and you want to know why? Because they're about to go into a you know into a fight, right? You know, into war, and war is sickly and diseased and disgusting. <sighs> yeah, you know, the color palette, the color temperature is very deliberate to sell. The yeah, fact that's bad. That they are going into an ugly, sickly situation, and of course, in the new one, they've just got rid of all that. Yeah, that that does seem counterintuitive, right? No, <laughs> you're yeah. you're you're fucking around with the art there. Yeah, exactly. So. I, I'm glad that the show like is willing to say, hey, you know what? This film is old. The audio's like clunky. You know, it's, j- it's janky. Uh, it may even set on fire. Although that was just both of our collective like, oh shit, please. Don't Why did they cut to the machine? Uh, like that's the part that made me go, oh no. <laughs> oh no. It, but what I appreciate is that which shows both. Firstly, we both we enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also the audience like that are in the show are enjoying it as well they're able to get the full experience out of it mm-hmm. um so i'm glad that it makes an argument for that kind again along the lines of preserving the old ways this is another notch to that bow totally um so i know we're we're um approaching our designated time not too far away so like there's a lot of things we could talk about and if we haven't talked about the thing that you wanted us to patrons it's your fault because you could have asked the Patreon questions, but you didn't. So I just have a couple more questions I want to talk through with you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. So so one is, and these are both questions I think the show asks. So I think it it behooves us to talk through them. Um. One one has to do with like what the nature performance art really is um there is when when does this first get brought up i want to say it's the first episode we watched yeah when um 
Yotaro is talking to Yakumo uh, Kiku and, you know, saying that he wants to do uh, the Ino, is it Inokori? Is that the name of the story? Ino? Yes. Yeah, Inokori. He wants to do it his own way. Like, he wants to do it without ego. Totally not put himself into it and embody the characters and stuff like that. And, you know, Kiku has taught him this different way. You know, he's been complaining that your Inokori is bad because it has no ego and everything. And, like, that's not how you should do it. You should you should uh, put something of yourself into the performance. That's the only way it'll be real. That's the only way it'll feel authentic, and people will be able to like latch onto it. And you know, I I was really thinking about this because that really does seem like it's right, like what Kiku is saying, and and kind of what the man told Yotaro about how being a father adds seemingly added weight to his performance mm-hmm. and what we all talked about through Ezuken, um about inspiration and personal experience um oh how about we very we discussed our own personal experiences on this very podcast exactly it's not quite right art in the same sense but still broadly on the same lines it's art damn it um right so like that that feels right but but i think the show is saying Actually, that's just one way of doing it. Like, Yotaro has his way, too, and that it's valid. You know, he, he can totally just become... It's a difficult concept. I mean, it's like a, a thing that you hear talked about all the time. Like, you know, empty yourself. Like, there is no I. Like, fade uh, or whatever. But, like, but it's, it's tough to think about how one... Not just how one does that in life, but, like, how one does that then... For, for a performance like what what's informing what's informing uh your your acting if not like experience or whatever but like he ends up g- killing it and like knocking it out of the park and like he does this you know Corey that everyone loves and you know sensei's like i forgot you were there like you just were on the stage but it's like you were not there at all like it's d- d- everything came to life like truly mm. and it was nothing to do with you so like I mean, that's just got me wondering about, like, is this possible? What does this look like? I mean, how I've I, I struggled to find language of how to think about performance art without the artist somehow putting themselves into it in some way. I mean, it doesn't have to be, you know, not everyone has to be Tom Cruise where every, every character Tom Cruise plays like, Oh, it's just Tom Cruise. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> it's just Tom Cruise being himself. But like, um, but, but yeah, like how do you, did you, did you think about that? Like I, I kind of well, grappled well, with that. The funny thing is I actually disagree with you in some way because I think that he was putting himself into that performance. And do you want to know why? Because the consistent message he gives us is how much he loves Rakugo for its own sake. Right. And so the way that that portrayal comes across, particularly with the stylized art form uh, that looks like Japanese woodblocks, mm-hmm. um, is I think that he is presenting it almost as kind of like in a... I I am... Uh, how do I put this? A... What's the word I'm looking like for? Like a vessel? A Shall we say? Oh, a scholar. A vessel okay. or a scholar. A vessel or a scholar. Where... His intent is not to, you know, uh, put his own ego on it or his own imprint necessarily so much, but to present it in a pure format because of his love for it, which in itself can be a valid way of doing it, I would argue. I mean, if you perform, let's say, Macbeth, 
like you could certainly bring your own like slant to it but i would also argue that the odds are very likely you've not killed a king in your time either <laughs> so you can't truly so there'll always right. be a balance i think between the love of the craft itself and what you personally bring to the table if you want my perspective on which one i value more i think that there is certainly a, a you know a, a place for the kind of performance that yosro does which is you know to be authentic to the sense of history so it like to present it as in a pure one but i would also say that i think it's fair that the most memorable performances we will know from our, from actors that we're fond of are the ones which they put most of themselves into that they really put their energy into i mean i haven't i haven't seen the film myself it's on my to watch list but adam sandler in uncut gems you know which of his films will you remember? Do you remember Uncut Gems or do you remember any of the stuff that he made under the Happy Gilmore Productions logo? Well, I mean, you probably won't forget the Happy Gilmore stuff, but that's mostly because it's a war crime. You know, that's but that's mostly because it's just pure trauma. But you get my point, though, um, which is that I think that he is putting himself out there, but he's putting himself there because his love of Rako is so pure. It hasn't come from the places where, say, Kigiso or Sukuroku have, which is... I'm doing this uh, basically because I was forced into it at the start, and then now I've kind of grown to love it as a performance mm-hmm. art, but it's also informed by my experiences. Um, and Sukuroku's, of course, being because he was very much a people person, mm-hmm. so inevitably he would be able to give, like, you know, that very, like, relatable element to all of his performances rather than just being, like, you know, distaff people, shall we say. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know if that makes any sense at yeah. all, but I think that that's well, one Well, I mean, you, I think it. you've helped me, like, kind of figure out the difference between, or, or at least the uh, uh, kind of analog for what he's doing, um, which I do think the show says he's done something different than, because, like, you know how Sensei is like, oh, on the one hand, you have Yakumo, who expresses himself on the stage like it's 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 Rakugo is like a outlet for his personality in a way and Sukaroku every character is just Sukaroku and he couldn't do some stories but then he yeah. could, and then there's you you're doing something different this an egoless thing but actually I mean I think I think what you helped kind of uh illuminate for me is like Rather than being like Tom Cruise or even like, um, I don't know, some respectable actor's actor like Patrick Stewart. like um, Patrick Stewart's not respectable. He was in the Emoji <laughs> movie. Well, you got you to make the um, the money movie uh, so you can make the art movie. He's, been, he's fucking wealthy. <laughs> he's making Star Trek Next Generation money every maybe, single year in maybe royalty. He just has- he's done all the X-Men maybe films. He- he didn't need to make that Maybe film. Maybe he had like a grandkid he wanted to put through he college did, he, or something. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't need to shit. Literally shit all over the cinema. Okay. Well, oh, that example's me. Maybe it's. Um, yeah, I get what it's you mean. Less oh. of like someone who is seeing the material and wanting to like command it. Mm-hmm. And it's more of like maybe like a Daniel Day Lewis type performance where it's like they absorb the material to such a degree that it's like they're just like a mouthpiece for the material to speak through them. Um, like a mm. center is fully like character actor type deal. Uh, maybe it's yeah. sort of like that. But I, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I've, sorry, I, sorry. Um, I just was going to complete my sentence. Just say like, 
that I think that it is cool that the show has these like poses these philosophical questions about like art and acting and performance. But go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was going to say though, the one thing to note is that just be like people putting too much, uh, sorry, access points which themselves in their projects can be a bad thing. Do you want me to, of course, bring up people like Tommy Wiseau? Oh, no, no doubt. I mean, that's like uh, he's just a yeah. bad actor, or <laughs> even, or, or even, or even directors getting too involved in their own material. Do you want to also bring up Mel Gibson and Passion of the Christ? I, I do not want Whoops. you to bring that up. In fact, uh, it's been a number no. of years since I thought about that. So, thank you very much. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Don't worry, it's my cross. It's my cross to bear. We'll be fine. Sorry. God, Can't resist. God. Can't resist. Um. Uh, um the the other question was um do you think that maybe we've even asked no I do you don't think, I, I, right? I do not I, I do it, not think close no, the I podcast. Don't think it um <laughs> <laughs> maybe we've asked this before in a different context but it's relevant here um so uh the author sensei uh, is recording um, Kiku. Mm. He doesn't know that he's being recorded. And he says he's doing it for mm-hmm. a posterity, right? That he's he's doing this mm-hmm. um, because Yakumo is so great as an artist that the art he makes, according to Sensei, does not belong to him alone. Um... Mm-hmm. what say you about this right like uh, as an artist do you think like how much uh i guess control do you think one artist uh, an artist ought to have over their art do you think that it does like belong oh, to <sighs> the world in some sense like it's as far as like true ownership or like I mean, do you think that the art that artists have some kind of obligation too? Because like r- wrapped up in that as well is like their desire to see him continue to perform, um, so that they can keep preserving his works, um, because there's this sense that's like, you know, you're so great, and the world needs this greatness. This is where it does seem a little selfish, right? Like. The way Yot- the way Yotaro put it was very much not, but like the way that the archivists seem to be like kind of pushing on him is like, give us more because it's so good. We need it. We need we need that mm-hmm. sweet sweet premium content. You know, latte sip. <laughs> like, uh, so like, yeah. What do you what do you think about all this? Well, th- well, this ties into something that I was going to say as a wider point, which is also how Rakugo is now examining the distinction between how we treat celebrities on a personal level versus how they are otherwise viewed. I mean, there's no clear distinction to me than the fact that once, like, Yakubo collapses, um, you know, that's when the cursing goes down. And the thing is, we, of course, as a privileged audience of our own, we feel bad for him. But as soon as he's off stage, as soon as that curtain's down, no one gives a fuck. Now you might say, I don't think okay, they knew. They didn't yeah. know about. No, well, I, yeah, yes, but I still think that that seems clear to me. Like that he was, you know, he's old. Like maybe he shouldn't be doing this at all just mm. for his own health. Like you can mm-hmm. make that argument. But then also know all the language which is like the country's in an uproar about you being right. unwell. Like he's treated more as a national treasure mm-hmm. rather than a sure. person, and that's on key display throughout much of the show's run. Which 
is true. Like, but it's also one of those unavoidable realities, which is kind of depressing when you think. I like. I don't think it's unreasonable to think of celebrities like you know with some humanity, like you know that these no, are they're not people. Well, most of them, <laughs> well, I, they're not people. No, fuck them. <laughs> um, but you know what I mean. Like this, it's not unreasonable to think them as human beings. But it's very difficult to care personally about someone in such a way without them going too far, or also just because you don't know them personally. It's a, it's a paradox. But I think it make I think the show is clear, like how it with everything that happens around him, like you know, he's been denied a personal life basically from doing Rakugo, and the public seems to deny him even the, you know, personal nature. Like we don't see like the show never shows us like any people like interviewed like for their own personal opinions on his failing health. They are just the masses, Mm -hmm. you know. We don't know any of the people in this audience. They're just an amorphous group of people. Um, and for and the way that they treat him seems to be more as a cultural curiosity now than a you know a hardworking man who is burning out at the end of his life you know and I think that that distinction is clear in the show and it's interesting to me that that's there and that's why the archivist fills that role as well because Yotaro has a deep emotional connection with Yakumo. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he uplifted him. He gave him his rebirth of sorts, which is also completed when the carp tattoo is redone. Carp DM. You know, that's the point in which, yeah, carp DM, because that's when, um, that's when you know his criminal past is now not only, I wouldn't even, it's been re- reconstituted, it's been remade right. into something that symbolizes his rebirth. Like it's no longer a burden on him. It was a problem for a time, but no more. Um. Also, of course, then we talk about how social mobility happens and the fact that even though he was a criminal, um, you know, his chance of redemption was allowed, you know, and he proved himself. He has unequivocally done so. But yeah, he has that emotional connection. The archivist, on the other hand, this this chap like he wants to document everything, he has no emotional connection with uh, Yakimo. He is a, just as much of a curiosity to him as he is to the rest of the public at this point. And so I think the preservation for of the work that he's trying to do here, indeed, don't forget, like there are times when Yakubo actually has active hostility towards him. Yeah. Um, but I think his preservation his work here is not entirely meant as a um, how shall we say? Um, because I feel it was the right thing for you personally, but the right thing for the world of Rakugo and the world of cult of Japanese culture at large. And the thing is, these two things can no, yeah. might not be in alignment, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so, if you want my perspective, uh, I am of the opinion that if an author says, don't do shit with my work, then I'd say that's fair. I, uh, you know, if, I mean, they never, for example, made a new Thunderbird <laughs> series until Jerry Anderson died. <laughs> hey, Bring hey Thunderbirds, so good. It's true. Oh, yeah, no, I, I, I can do it when I, I can pull that stuff in when I want to. Uh, but how often does that happen? You know, like creator dies, IP passes on and all that, and they may not want any more made of it, but then fuck it, we're going to make it anyway. Screw you. Um, but I would generally say that the the author's or the creator's res- wishes should be mm. respected. Um, and even though there are good intentions towards the preservation of art, um, I think the fact that, you know, Kikuiko has been so diminished as an actual person over his life by doing all this, Hmm. this is just another part of that ongoing process where maybe he might have even consented if there had been compelling arguments given, but the fact that it wasn't just goes to show like, oh, you know what? Uh, He's just a 
you know, his work's something to be admired. And that's, a, you know, Faye's work's good, and don't get me wrong. But we're not factoring in the human element of this, which is, again, part of the dichotomy of how Rakugo, you know, it might have uplifted some people. It's certainly with Tsukuroku, it's uplifted Yotaro and Kikuiko as well, to some extent. But also how being an artist and a performer in this way can cause you to lose a bit of your own humanity, either through how you act or how people act towards you instead, where they feel that distinction between you as a performer and you as a person. I mean, yeah, yeah. it's definitely going to take something from you. Um, that that mm-hmm. that life of, of public performance art. Um, and I think largely I agree with you that like, you know, during during an artist's life, you know, they should be able to have some say about um, their art, kind of, and what happens to it. And because it's, you know, it's it's him, it's his body, you know, that's doing that's making the art, and it's and it's his ultimately art and expression um, as as a holistic thing, um, as a performance, and. So, yeah, I think, I mean, I, I think Sensei does have a point that he makes great art and it would be, it would be, um, like the public good would be enhanced for all these things to come out. But as you rightly point out, Kiku's humanity should come before the public good. Like, I'm all about that. Mm-hmm. And so after, yeah. you know, after death, I think is a different kind of, argument you can have and kind of figure out but um i think if i if i may say if i if i were him i would probably leave because as well it's part of like the, i don't know if it's part of the nature rack i don't know the rules actually he's taking on the sukuroku name rather than the uh, yakimo mm-hmm. one um but i think that would ultimately be a decision to be made by uh sure. Yotaro, i would sure. say that to me that's me or kanatsu in fact yeah. both of them chiso i thought of first um uh, yeah i mean Heck, there's actually a compelling dramatic element to that that the show could potentially explore, which is, does Kanatsu release his works into the world because they are good, or does she right. destroy them because of, because of her personal sure. yeah. you know, vendetta against him? If that still exists, the point in which he passes on. There's things to be discussed mm-hmm. here. Um, but ultimately, yeah, if he's... I would say, that as, as you say, like, respect his dignity. Like, I think that that also ties into his age, because... One of the things that we lose as we grow older is, unfortunately, dignity. Uh, and right. I'm not talking like, you know, oh, my pants fell down dignity, or oh, my God, old man's like saying racist jokes dignity. I'm just talking again about what I said at the very beginning, which is the sense of, you know, self, sense of c- capacity, the ability to, you know, connect with, like, you know, well, not connect people, but more like experience yeah, life. Yeah, experience. <laughs> right. Um, the, richness, the richness therein, I think you said, like, be part of community, mm-hmm. like, um, exist actively and not just passively right um Mm -hmm. uh well um so that is my final question for this pod i mean i do think that there's like a million other things that that i could bring up and maybe you have more points you want to talk about but um for the sake of keeping things uh timely um i think i will end my talking points there yeah, there are things I could bring up as well, but they're only relatively minor. We've covered the broad meat of these episodes, so I will similarly conclude here. I suppose now it's time that we rate the episodes. Yeah. And, oh, God. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, do you want to go first, or shall I? Um, 
Uh, yeah, oh, I'll boy. go first. Um, these these episodes are um, like I think I might have said this last time. Peak anime. Uh, it peak really anime, hurt me, yeah. right? I mean, in, in a good way, but it also <laughs> peak yeah, exactly. Pain. <laughs> yeah, love this pain. Um, but but also made me feel like uh, warm and joyful, and made me laugh. Like, like <laughs> did you remember like when? fucking yotaro came out on the stage that one time looking like a mischievous cat i mean just dumb shit like that like <laughs> really good um oh kanatsu kanatsu sticking yeah. a tongue out when he's like what yes was this your exactly. idea it's just like nah. yeah, yeah the shark teeth by the way as well by the way yeah. uh, the can i just say like kanatsu like i couldn't help but think in my head like when she was giving him that cigarette when he was on the bench i was like is that her way of trying again to kill himself quicker <laughs> No, God. you know. <laughs> so take one, take one smoke. If this was a lesser anime, by the Keel, way, um, kill over you bastard. No, I'm okay. I'm if, if this I'm were kidding. a lesser anime, when she did that, like some other, like a high school, a uh, middle school girl would pop up from behind a bush and be like, "Indirect Kisu." <laughs> cigarette. No, I, what, what, cigarette. What could have also yeah. happened is. Um, you of course have the image of autumnal leaves, you know, mm-hmm. fading and all that, so backed up. But there were a lot of them, so I really hope they didn't just flick that cigarette out. <laughs> oh no! Might be no. very dry out there that day. Is yeah. all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> See that old Rakugo master burns down Lightstone Park. <laughs> oh. And then it would turn out it was Kanatsu, no. and she framed him. <laughs> what a national no, landmark! It totally destroyed. Um, oh, no, look, no. Um, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. Um, I'm going to go five for five, five, uh, five grumpy old Rakugo masters out of five. I mean, this, this was like incredible this, this was truly mm. amazing from an emotional point of view and from a filmic point of view, cinematic, whatever you want to say, like mm. just incredible storytelling, generational layered, um, great acting, uh, just everything you could ask for from this show, like any sort of demerits you might give it are like things that it's not really trying to do or are made up for by its strengths yes yes i think my mild complaint about miyokichi i'm gonna hold it against the show only very slightly um but everything else was pretty much on point uh this is a phenomenal piece of work um i am very happy that I mean, I felt like the first couple of episodes got up on a bit of shaky ground just to prove, like, their... How should we say? Prove mm. their worth. Like, you know, prove their right to exist as <laughs> Earn a Earn the right to play to your what otherwise was <laughs> Yeah, uh, to, to prove their rise as a uh, compelling follow-up to the three season, and they've only gotten mm-hmm. better since then. Um, I was emotionally touched by these episodes. Um, I felt very much for my uh for my grandfather um and how he as i say um how he passed away um but then you know through that i also remember all the good mm. things that he gave me as well like like you know and beyond that it's a solid piece of dramatic work it continues to argue for the preservation of rakugo in new mm-hmm. ways uh while also saying that you know the old ways are, should should be preserved as well it is a multifaceted um argument or case for it so i think that it's a phenomenal piece of work um 
I really wish that there was a means and ways through which the show could have given more time to Miyokichi. But then again, as you've said, maybe that is just the case that she is, you know, broken and it doesn't excuse her actions. It just explains mm-hmm. them, um, which is fair. So I am overall, I'm going to not use the, uh, you know, the usual 0.25 oh. <laughs> uh, the granular, scale yeah. here. I'm going. Yeah, I'm breaking the rules today because screw it. I am going to give uh, episodes five through eight of Shoura Rako Shinjo season two, descending stories, four point nine out of five um, film reels ah. that did not set on fire. <laughs> yes, Ugh. thank God. Praise be. <laughs> Praise be. Uh, well, yes, Catherine. Thank you for <laughs> thank you for trying. Um, we we uh, of course uh, will get the pod out uh, soon, but uh, but yeah, sorry that uh, the schedule was weird and that you were only able to hop in right at the end. Um, but look, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I I have no argument. I mean, I can't, I can't quibble with the four point nine, Shadon. Even though you want to bring the IGN hundred point scale into this, uh, you've now introduced it into whoa, the, into whoa. the ca- the canon. And so I can use it. <laughs> oh God! Use it. Are we going? Are we go. Are we trying to get ourselves on Metacritic <laughs> exactly, here yeah, as well? That's what, now that they've been bought by Red Ventures, we we want in Metacritic. Um, yeah, no. they've been sold no. by CBS. CBS oh, sold Metacritic. Ah um, oh, dear, I wonder how that got rated. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Corporate merger, <laughs> three out of five. So so. Um, yeah. Oh, so boy. like. Um, I think that's that brings us to the end um, of, of yes, this set of episodes. Three weeks from now, we'll be covering uh, the finale. Or no, it'll be two weeks from now because tomorrow, tomorrow we've got Akudama Drive live on YouTube, Twitch, uh-huh. and Periscope for all of you, for everyone, free and otherwise. But yep. uh, two... And the and the uh, spicier version of that Perry Perry exactly exactly I don't I won't even give out the URL for that it's uh, I'd get in trouble no nope. uh, this is a work machine um, but the week after next on uh, the 18th of December that that I believe that day uh, unless anything comes up will be today we close the the book close the curtain the curtain drops on Rakugo season two so join us again for that of course mm-hmm. um shadon between now and then or anytime uh where can people get a hold of you on twitter you can find me at shade and 1010 on twitter uh dms are open profiles open <laughs> talk to me stock it's portfolios open you know nah mm. i ain't got no stock not not a public i have a gravy stock i need to rest- i need to restock on my stock there there ah, god you can tell i'm tired i'm gonna i get old man's yeah, going back exactly. soon don't worry it's bedtime for you so i'll quickly say uh you can find me on twitter at the subtle doctor um at me about whatever uh you can tweet the pod at watery death show um of course you can email us at watery death show at gmail.com if you'd like to get in touch with the show um other ways you can help us uh than the patreon which we have already discussed um if you're not uh willing or able to support us that way you can as i said you know follow us on twitter you could subscribe on youtube click the bell you could uh follow us over on twitch where we do um 
our stream of thought series, as well as Shadon playing various finals fantasy um, and other games. Oh God, uh, final yeah, Final Fantasy X Part Three coming this weekend, where I am going to have to somehow not screw up the inaugural baseball game. That's, also <laughs> that's really random hard because I want to be a pro game. Yeah, I want to be. I want to be a pro gamer. Oh, that's going right to be fun. Time. Uh, but but good luck with that. And I also get to like you know do football jokes and all that. So uh, yeah, do come join for that. Um, Final Fantasy tends to be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to playing that through and uh, yelling at various things and also telling you know why it's good. So yes. and of course Spotify or other podcatchers, uh, our stuff is there, uh, especially on Apple. Uh, if you leave us a review on the Apple podcast app it would greatly help our discoverability because even though mm-hmm. a lot of people don't use it a hell of a lot of people do and it is uh the best way that i know of for other podcasts to get discovered so if you give us the old uh five star review and uh rating rather and a, a review uh of the written sort that will be most appreciated um tomorrow we'll be seeing you folks again for akudama drive uh mm-hmm. what episodes is it is it uh seven through nine i think yeah seven through seven through nine and ooh, uh i do have some things to discuss about that one although not what you might expect yeah so, uh, ex- excited for that um at some point soon you know uh i've shadon has recently released uh an after hours pod for all patrons i've got to do another one of those um i've got a video game solo pod i'm going to Share some thoughts about E's memories of Celsetta, which I've recently beaten. Nice. Um, so it was good. really uh, good. But other than that, I'll save my specific thoughts for the patrons. And uh, thanks, everybody, for hanging out and uh, joining us. And until next time, he's Shadon. I'm the Subtle Doctor. This has been Wari Desho saying... Embrace each other, everyone, to the ends of the universe. Good night. Take care, everyone. Bring back the brothers.